0: Broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands, through the heart of the Casterville artichoke fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline. You're listening to "What's the Plan," a weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mister Paul Wyant. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of "What's the Plan." Here on four, on 101.1 FM and 1460 AM. I uh, today this week we're just gonna just gonna do a quick program with Mark Carbonero our frequent guest and uh, producer to, to talk talk a little bit about the election and mm-hmm. the news of the day we've had a lot of great um, guests recently and I, I thought it'd be kind of good to do like a little recap and kind of an assessment of where we're at as a county. And uh, of course, Pacific Grove, Monterey, Salinas, and everything. And talk about all the races that happened recently. But before we begin, let me remind you that I'm Paul Wyant, owner of Express Employment Professionals in Monterey County. At Express, we can help your business find a great, great employees, or we can help you find a great job. If you're interested, visit uh, us on the web. Just go to Google Express Employment. Of monterey county and will be the first result on that search or, or just uh, call 831-920-1857 and also i want to promote our podcast because we did a great bonus episode with dan miller and you can find our podcast at what's the plan monterey.com or just go to itunes spotify from your smartphone and search for what's the plan monterey mark thank you so much uh you're awesome thanks thank for uh, joining us
1: you are welcome so where do you want to start
0: Well, there's so many places. I mean, we could start with Calam and the desal plant. I mean, that's, I know I'm on the, uh, we should, I should talk to Michael DeLapa and see if he's willing to come back to the program because I get their emails and they were against the the desal plant and, uh, and it apparently was like a 13 hour marathon meeting and then ended up getting approved eight to two, but it's not the last chapter, obviously in the, in the desal plant. There are probably many, 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 many more to come.
1: Although uh, it's a big one. Okay, having yeah, having the the Coastal Commission approve this, and I think that a lot of the opponents of the diesel plant were really surprised that the Coastal Commission gave this a thumbs up, and by an eight to two vote as well. You know, so it was a pretty substantial you know majority on that. You know, that's eighty percent yes, right, of the ten commissioners, and a lot of the opponents were sure that the Coastal Commission was going to side with them and knock this thing down. And, of course, if the Coastal Commission had basically denied this, then that would pretty much be the end of, of the desal plant. But such is not the case. So, you know, now the opponents to the desal plant have to figure out another way to try and curtail it. Although, like I say... Having coastal commission approval on something like this is, um, boy, I mean that that pretty much means it's going to be a done deal.
0: Eventually, yeah, it could get it could get tied up like uh, Rancho uh, Colorado or something. Like, but the cool thing about it is, is like I think practicality won out because I think there were real, I mean, and I think uh, Landwatch would say something different, and that's why we should talk to them. But um, I think there are real uh, clash between development and environment and. It's hard. I think even on the surface, it's really hard to believe that Monterey One Water can supply. And I know there's, there's vociferous arguments against what I'm about to say, but I don't believe that Monterey One Water, uh, the recycled water program, even in its expanded phase can really realistically, you know, allow for the expansion that Mm -hmm. that's really called for with the low income housing, uh, you know, uh, mandates and all this other stuff. It's, I, I think that just ended up probably being what what the argument that won in the day what are you, what's your opinion do you think that was the argument that took us over the line there on that
1: i you know i I think that what it was really the argument was that not so much about pure water monterey and its ability to either deliver or not deliver the amount of water that's needed, but according to the comments and we saw the story in today's Carmel pine cone that um the coastal commissioner the head of the commission was talking about the fact that the drought on the Monterey Peninsula, the the overdrafting the Carmel River, and the uh, the ten ninety five order from October of nineteen ninety five, that they're really at a critical situation on the Monterey Peninsula. You know, basically from anybody that gets their water from Calam from Seaside all the way through the Carmel area. Um, that the Coastal Commission felt that it was more important to solve that problem than some of the other concerns. And they were cognizant of the fact that over almost 30 years from 1995 forward, there have been various efforts put forth to try and solve this, this water uh, supply issue. And they've decided that... Um, You know, it's like a Hobson's choice. To them, this was the best option, and so they're approving it, although there are some conditions. And it's not going to be as large as what was originally proposed. I mean, originally, uh, the plans were a number of years ago for a a desal plant that would desalt 21,000 to 25,000 acre-feet annually. This one will be substantially smaller. Um, Some water is going to go to Castroville to help uh, mitigate the seawater intrusion that they have in their wells. And so that's a kind of an interesting thing because Castroville is outside the service area of, of California American water. It is outside the service area of uh, the Marina coast water district. And yet one of the interesting things about this and, you know, politics making strange bedfellows is that the, the water plant is going to be located in a, in a community that is not served by the company that is going to be selling the water. You know, Cal-Am well, you
0: You're getting into—you know, and in fact, what you're getting into is kind of like, I guess, the larger point about the development. Like, this will allow for—you know, we can solve some of these uh, saltwater intrusion problems, which is, is vital to our economy. Like, some of these—the um, mm-hmm. fields that rely on some of the, the well water and these other things— as well as being able to expand the the community, it's not clear whether you know we could have used Monterey One Water to, to this level if we were able to get a desal plant to kind of do some of those bigger those, right. those well, more I don't goals. know
1: that that water that Monterey One Water would able, ever be able to serve more than just the Monterey Peninsula area that's served by CalAm. You know, I don't think that's yeah. ever been in their in their mission or in their plan. their Their goal was to ameliorate. Or to help solve the 1095 order, which you know covers the Calam Service Area, not to not to support uh, saltwater intrusion uh, mitigation efforts in Marina or anywhere else. Although the Pure Water Monterey project is in Marina and it has to be sited in Marina because it's toilet to tap. They're basically they are taking sewage water and and turning it into drinkable water, and they have to site the plant where the where the affluence yeah, well, is coming in right
0: and another and I, well yes absolutely and and i think the very good point another thing i want to get to is the social justice issue
1: oh, i that's think a bunch of that crap.
0: <laughs> hey you're not allowed to use that word on the nate radio <laughs> but uh but but you can but the reason i think that that argument didn't hold in any water pun intended is because what are they building right now in marina like, what's the average price of a home in Marina? And, and and you know, so to say that poor people are being in, impacted by this project or right. Marina is somehow the, the lesser, like the – we look down our nose at Marina. Marina is the future of this county. And, right. like, people are probably yeah. moving from Carmel to Marina because uh, the house is only a million dollars in Marina and it's $5 million in Carmel. So <laughs> – that's right I, yeah, yeah i didn't get i didn't get the social impact um, well that's that was just you know
1: i mean yeah. that's such a red herring to to make that up and try and claim that that is a reason that you know marina's been this industrial wasteland oh what a bunch of nonsense so this is kathy yeah. biala who's a marina city Councilwoman, making uh. these claims first off as you well mentioned Marina is where the new expensive housing is, market rate housing, uh, eight hundred thousand to a million dollars or more. And then, if you think about Marina, where, where's the industrial part of Marina? Look, I lived in Marina, the airport. Maybe, where, maybe. I lived in, <laughs> wait, hang on a second. I lived in <laughs> Marina for fifteen years. The only industrial part of Marina, if you want to even call it that, was uh, um, reservation. The, maybe. Well, reservation, the, the former yeah. Ford Ord. Yeah. Now, when Fort Ord was in a, in a operation, and you <laughs> had Fort Ord and you had Fritchie Field, its I, airport, all of that may have be, was adjacent to the city of Marina. It wasn't in I, Marina. Okay? I don't want to
0: turn this to a Marina bashing session because well, I got, love
1: Marina. I like I do. Marina, I think Marina too, but but
0: I think it's awesome. And they are probably they are almost as an embarrassment of riches on the peninsula because they have such beautiful property they have beautiful views of the bay they have such opportunity there with the airport well, and the formal yeah. ford board that i think marina okay. I, I sometimes i don't know how rich they are like in yeah. in in just uh,
1: in, well here's the like, here's the point and, yeah. and, and and as someone who's lived on the peninsula for 40 years uh you know marina is not alisal it is not chular marina is not uh south central la or, or East L.A., it is not some sort of well, deprived.
0: It is community. Or Alice. Well, these All those but, are actually delightful communities, by but, the way. But, but you, you know, ahead. the point being,
1: people, <laughs> yeah. these people are trying to equate, you know, that Marina is some somehow a a community of color that is as beset uh, yeah. by the yeah. powers that be as say some of the. The, uh, the 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 unfortunate neighborhoods in burned out major cities across no, the country. It's a beautiful Nothing place be that people, would, from lo- the truth.
0: people okay? would love to live in. Marina. Have you been oh. to Marina State Dune State, State Park? Yeah, beautiful. Many times.
1: Yeah, may- that's beautiful. But, the, beautiful. but you know, it was a it was a military town. And by the way, you could have made mm-hmm. the claim that it was a low-income community when the Army was there because there were a lot of soldiers that didn't make very much money that lived off post. But since Fort Ord packed up and left in 1994, Marina has really become uh, much more income-wise like the rest of the peninsula, and it's become a less affordable community mm-hmm. you know? it's,
0: it's a great it is a, it is a great play i mean you got black horse band yeah i can't say enough good about marina let's let's put marina on the table because right. we both love marina we just we think some of the the politics coming out of there are a little bit sideways yeah but but let's talk i don't know do you want to talk about dave potter got elected uh mayor of carmel that's a that was kind of a foregone conclusion he's yeah. a you know, great guy friend of the show we also had um bill peak take over again at pg right uh we have some the the Actually the council race in PG is interesting, but before we do that, let's talk about uh, the Monterey Merrill race. That was kind of a little bit of a surprise. Dan Albert Jr. lost to uh, Tyler Williamson, which is a, yeah. is a is a it's a it's a move. It's right. a is it's, it's a very much a big a
1: change. Um, yeah. and and I was the only thing that surprised me was the final number. Because when the final number came in, uh, Tyler Williamson won by a much larger advantage. So when all those votes came in that, that, you know, from people who cast their vote on the day of or mailed them in, you look at the final numbers here and, um, and you had Tyler Williamson with 5,092 votes and Dan Albert Jr. with 4,300 votes. And that's a 54 to 45% or, you know, and change a uh, difference. So, it was a 200-vote difference on election night, and it grew to almost, well, to basically almost 1,000 votes by the time they finished counting them. I was surprised by that margin. But I will say this. I thought that uh, that Dan, and I like Dan, and I thought he would have been a great mayor, but I, it seemed to me that he ran a very low-key campaign. Um, yes. Tyler was very, very active in wanting this job, and he was everywhere in town, and he had tremendous support with people going door to door and uh, you know knocking on doors, getting the vote out for him. and I did he's got see, a lot of energy. I know. did not see Dan Albert and his supporters hitting the pavement as hard on his behalf as Tyler did. I think Dan could have won if he had put the same effort into the campaign that Tyler did. I think he would have won. And, and I will say that Tyler had a more defined message, message. or a more refined yeah. message to the community about what he wanted to do. Dan had a pretty good message, but it was, it, there wasn't as much energy or passion in that message. And Tyler is a really uh-huh. high energy, passionate guy. And I think that that really swung a lot of people uh-huh. in his direction.
0: Very dynamic when he was on the program. One yes. one policy is interesting because David Henderson touched on this, and I would also love to talk to Tyler about this as well as the rent controls. Uh, that's the one policy of Tyler's that I'm really not in favor of. I don't live in Monterey, but uh, I, they've never worked anywhere, and they've, the the secondary effects of those are disastrous. So yeah. hopefully he'll rethink that. But otherwise, I you know, Tyler's yeah,
1: and you're you know. going to have to have three votes. Well. You've got to have, you know, the mayor. Obviously, if he brings up, <laughs> you know, rent control, that's one vote for it. And I believe a woman, who Kim Barber, I think, is her name. She she <clears> might be in, of that ilk. But then you got to find a third vote, and that third vote may be difficult to uh, to get your hands it on. You. Yeah, yeah,
0: because it's it's just such a bad idea. I mean, I, I any academic, even on the left, agrees that rent control is a horrendous mm-hmm. idea. Anyway. Uh, besides my uh, my uh, distaste for rent control, uh, let's go to um, the PG uh, Council election. That was fascinating. So you've got uh, Joe Emilio, which was – he's an incumbent. That was kind of expected a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then the other two, uh, Debbie Beck narrowly uh, uh, outdid
1: um, Tina Rao. Uh, Tina Rao.
0: Yeah. yeah. So so what are your thoughts on how, how well, the
1: outcome? Uh, PG election. I was very pleased to see Debbie make it. Okay. Lori McDonald. She ran a, a good campaign, and she got a lot of votes. She got the second highest number of votes, twenty one thousand six hundred, and uh, Joe had twenty two thousand four hundred. And Debbie Beck came in at seventeen one, and Tina is Tina Rao is right behind her at sixteen point eight percent. It's now,
0: phenomenally, it's incredible because yes. of the those tweets that came out where that oh, were like basically anti religion. Yeah. Uh, it was surprising she did so
1: well. Right. It's kind of, well, it's there's a lot of things. there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of really unreasonable and intemperate people in Pacific Grove. I will say that it is the it is the home of the stereotypical Karen. Okay. Well, what's and what's interesting about that? There's a lot of narrow-minded because, people in Pacific Grove, well, and a lot of them voted for Tina Rao.
0: Well, what's interesting about that is so funny because you talk to them and almost to a person, they're they're kind of like from the flower child generation, right. which I have a lot of I have a lot of affection for. It. I just want to say that out loud. But it's like they were against John Lithgow in uh, Footloose, right? That that was their. That's a bigoted old man,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they've kind of turned into the same thing. I hate right. to say they, t- <laughs> they turned into I mean, what they
1: what they grew up opposing.
0: I know, and it's like so. You're against religion instead of a guy that doesn't want to have a high school dance. But it's they're kind of they're kind of you know they're siblings. Those two thoughts, in my opinion. But But
1: I I think that the this will be this is going to be a council that's got a progressive lean to it.
0: But, well, now it's only going to be five people, so they're going they're well, to have to wind it down to five people over, what, four or five years, right? Yes,
1: cor- correct. And, um, but Debbie is going to bring a, a good common sense approach on that council. I will say this. Um, what's going to be really tough, tough for Debbie Beck is um, that a lot of people in the community will not give her um, any – she won't get any passes at all right so she's no, going to be no. very she has to be very careful about what she says and what she posts online what she tweets out because there are people that are just standing off to the Wait. side mm-hmm. and yeah, they I are watching able. for anything to create um, a controversy over something I got to say though, Debbie Debbie
0: was on the show go back and listen to the episode she is very very she's got her stuff together yeah. and I think she's uh, up to the challenge so oh, I yeah, really I think so I think her. but yeah.
1: she's just you know if she wants to stay on the council she is. Sure, if, you know, if, if she, if she decides, the five, if she, remains, yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. well, if she decides that she likes it enough that she wants to run term after term, she's going to have to be really careful about stuff that that she says and does because the row crowd out there is going to do everything they can to figure out how to get her out of there and get Tina in that seat.
0: To create a row,
1: as you might say. And by the way, (laughs) uh, don't be surprised if Raul runs again when there's an opening on the council because Mm -hmm. getting that much of a vote, you know, if she had finished down where say Darla Vining was, Down around a thousand votes. Yeah, she. You know, people say, "Well, you know, pack it up." You know, uh, nice try. But look, she's uh, just a few hundred votes away from sitting on the council. So, what's interesting?
0: She will run again. Well, the Dan Miller episode uh, we did as a bonus episode, we did talk about her and she was actually the why the guy was so fired up and went and and like argued with the city manager and then there was that allegation of right. threats and you know all this stuff it was over her remaining the
1: the, the DEI chair
0: equi- yeah and I, to I, to my knowledge she's still there right so mm-hmm. she's still serving as the DEI yes. chair so
1: yes.
0: it's um she's fascinating one thing too i want to i get your opinion on this mark cuz i know you probably have Uh, An insightful opinion. It's a it's a state issue, but it actually does affect local elections. Is California during COVID, and they're gonna apparently this is going to continue in perpetuity? They just mail out ballots to anybody who is registered at a certain address, and and they don't you know they don't you don't have to ask for your mail in ballot. They just mail out all these ballots. And there's thoughts that that it will increase like ballast harvesting, yes, and it also yes. increases voter participation, and it could be why you saw such an increase in like Tyler Williamson's numbers on the local level, and I I think this may be uh, a tactic that will kind of increase voter participation and right. may ensure as long as the democrats platform stays away, it may ensure a democratic majority uh you know
1: forever Quite so, frankly. yes uh you know yeah, I just, so it's what, funny you mentioned that, on that? I, well i was talking yes. to a guy it's we we were talking about it on a more macro level of of what it means to uh, national votes and and uh, like congress and president about this ballot harvesting and mail-in ballots and um we briefly talked about 10 minutes about it yesterday, and this fellow was going to email me a couple of articles that he'd seen. But he's very much, he's a local fellow who's very much involved in studying this issue. And all I can say is that this guy, I'm not going to drop his name on the air right now because he probably wouldn't want me to, you know. But sure, I would sure. say that if he does, he would be a great guest because he understands this at a very, very granular, granular level as to. Yeah. How um, the the point he made to me would, was it's no longer about registered voters; it's about ballots.
0: Yeah, and, and I think I think this could be a real issue in the future. There's a couple things it will about be. this is because first, and it is an issue because first off, we're uh, you know everybody goes oh to save the democracy, and we're really not a democracy; we're more of a republic. And I'm kind of for I don't I'm not against I'm not for like preventing people from voting, but I, I feel like they should burn at least two calories. To either go to a place, a polling place, or at least ask for the ballot. Because if they're not willing to do that and it just shows up at their door and they just and then so does the placard that tells the Democrats how to vote, which we get, and they just fill it out that way. I, I feel like there's something lost there. So you're getting a lot of votes that maybe are uninformed. And I'm not sure as a society we really want that. We want more informed voters. And I'm not trying to be a bigot or anything. I I, I just I just don't like the idea, and it, it opens up for ballot harvesting because someone could go could find out like who's registered Democrat and just knock door to door on that, well, and they, then just say, "Have you turned uh, in your ballot? We, I'll take it. Sign at the back, and I'll take right. it to the, to the
1: polling place." One of the things yeah. that they've been able to do is they go into like rest homes and they get oh, yeah. those people voting. Now, a lot of people sitting in a rest home have Alzheimer's, and yeah. How the hell do they know who to vote for? Okay. Sure. I mean, you're, so, you're, you, know, your, your and you point, want to talk about who's, I mean, I who's don't want to filling out hat, but the ballot for fraud. Yeah. Who's yeah. filling out the ballot. Okay. The person may be a registered Democrat or whatever, but who's filling out the ballot for someone who has Alzheimer's. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you can get into the rest homes, I mean, that's almost as, I mean, my gosh, that's yeah. like, that's, that's, you well, know, why go to the cemeteries and harvest the, you know, the dead people when you can go to the rest <laughs> homes and get all well, those people, at least they're still okay. alive.
0: And you, in the current laws, you're not committing any crime. But That's you're really correct. not. You're making, you're saying, and then the, then the counter argument would be, Mark, well, why would you want to inhibit the vote of someone with Alzheimer's? I mean, no, they because have issues, I want to do?
1: make sure that too. people that are voting know what the heck they're voting for.
0: Well, you could, you could make the same argument. Like, there's probably a lot of folks that are talking to themselves right now on Alvarado Street that get a vote too, and that would cancel out your vote. And I, you know, do we need to have a discussion. Does that person. I, you know you don't want to take any way, anybody's right to vote away it's a little bit of a th- a third rail but it but at the same token at the same time it's like I don't know you know you you want informed informed electorate to make sure that they're making rational decisions Well an informed
1: electorate is a dangerous electorate for politicians.
0: <laughs> you might be right. That was there was a story I, I don't want to get into. Hey it one it other
1: one other election to mention here. Yeah. Um is that uh, Kimberly Craig was re-elected mayor of Salinas. You know, Salinas is the largest right. city yeah. on they the coast between San Francisco and Los Angeles. And, uh, and Kimberly w- won re-election with about 62% of the vote over second-time challenger Amit Pandya, who's a local businessman there in Salinas. Mm-hmm. So she will be serving as mayor for another couple of years in that town.
0: That's... That is that is great. And she had lost the uh, primary for the uh, North County Supervisor position. So that's another one that kind of – I think that went the way you were thinking, too, yeah. the North County Supervisor yeah. position.
1: So yeah, um, she was in the primary for that. That's correct. Now, let, let right. me give you an example. You know, I talked to you about why I don't like district voting, okay? And, and, right. it, and it's because, you know, f- first off, if you – like in Monterey, Uh, We, up until this last election, every voter in Monterey had five votes. You know, when the mayor's job was up, and then, of course, the people on the city council. But you could vote for every single person. So you really had an opportunity to make a, a choice on who represented you. Because every person on the city council, including the mayor, votes on issues that affects every area of town. So then when they go to district elections... There are now three people sitting on the council who are making decisions about what happens in your neighborhood. And that you never voted for yeah, And they are not accountable to you whatsoever. And, and getting
0: back to our previous discussion, too, if they did that in, in PG. Someone could run for election and then just basically walk their district and pick up ballots. Well, but <laughs> are you let me voting give for me? You, yeah. Well, if you're not, I'm not picking up your ballots.
1: But you let, me, let me give you an example of why district elections are such a bad deal. Oh, and by the way, every council member has an equal vote on how the city's budget is spent. OK, mm-hmm. that's, right. Now, that's right. Let's yeah. go to Salinas. OK, let's look. They had three districts up for vote this year, one, three and five, plus the mayor, because the mayor goes up every two years. Council seats mm-hmm. are four years long. Oh, In, friend of the
0: show. Steve McShane once, by the yep.
1: way. Okay, In District one, there are a total of eighty six hundred registered voters, of which only twenty two hundred voted. The winning the winning uh, council candidate there uh, gathered eighteen hundred votes. And he was the only person running. He ran unopposed. So he got, he got every vote, okay? Now, District 3. District 3 was um, Steve McShane, okay? Now, in yeah. McShane's district, District 3, there's 14,500 voters registered. Mm-hmm. 7,400 of them, about 51%, turned out. McShane got 4,000 votes to Carrie Swenson, who had 3,000 votes. Okay, so, so now think about this. In McShane's district, the woman who got three thousand votes would have beaten the guy in district two, because That's right. yeah. he had eighteen hundred right. votes and she had three thousand. Now you go to district number five, and in that district you got ten thousand nine hundred voters, of which only three thousand turned out. And let's see the. Um, it looks like there were two thousand votes for the winner, and a little over fifteen hundred for the loser. So that was like uh, 3500 votes cast out of 10900 in in that district. So what's inherently unfair about district elections is that for some candidates in some districts the bar to be elected is much higher. Yeah. And they have To your point
0: to to underline your point, Mark, if you or I ran in Monterey or in PG, you and I could probably walk our district and collect more votes through like ballot harvesting and that and because I could probably win my little district of PG if they went to district voting. With 112 votes or something, you know, I don't know, right. but it would be nothing. Mm-hmm. It would be maybe, maybe more than that, maybe like three or 400 votes, but yeah. it wouldn't be a lot. Yeah.
1: Oh, and let's see, in yeah. San City, the mayor was reelected, and I believe she got 81 votes.
0: See exactly what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It's a about. very
1: small it, town. <laughs> well, it is. And how many citizens are in San City? About, uh, anyway. about so 450 or so. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, so, but still, but that's a great example because you could technically go door to door and pick up people's ballots and, and mail them in for them if you knew they were supporters. So, and and to your larger point, and that, then that person gets to vote, not in the San City uh, example, but in the p g or monterey example, then that person gets to a vote at people who didn't even get to vote for them, and possibly someone in another district who got more votes uh was left out
1: oh so, I'm sorry yeah, Ma- Marianne Marianne Carbone got hundred and eleven votes she was and there are was 200, the mayor anyway, and, yeah, right? and there are two hundred yes, and, right? and there are two hundred and fifty two registered voters in san city so <laughs> exactly congratulations they, to uh to marianne
0: <laughs> i uh, <laughs> That's a great example by the way and they make tons of money on taxes so by the way but anyway you you've been listening to What's the Plan uh we're on 1460 AM and 101.1 FM I'm Paul Wine owner of Express Employment Professionals Monterey County at Express we can help your business find phenomenal employees give us a call today 831-920-1857 or of course you can find us on the web by googling uh Express Employment Professionals Monterey County also go to what's the plan and listen to our podcast or find us on iTunes Spotify or just pick up your phone and go to your podcast app. You'll find us that way. What's the plan, Monterey? I want to thank Mark Carbonero, the greatest producer in the business, greatest co-host in the business, and just a knowledgeable guy, particularly with uh, election Running
1: numbers. out of time. Running out of time.
0: Oh, oh. And Dave Marsetti. Okay. The host of the Saturday Morning Shackback Radio Show right here on 101.1 FM. There you go. Don't let it, let it get me
1: down. Cause this final world, it keeps spinning